0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of just been doing this series as I feel the, the Lord has been leading me, simply titled Back to the Basics. Back to the basics of where we're talking about some simple truths that we've probably grown up in church listening to but maybe we've forgotten them. Maybe we've been taught them wrong over the years, or maybe we've misunderstood them. So we've been going back to the Bible to look at some simple truths to remind us, if you've been in the game of being a Christian for 100 years or one day, these are truths that you need to learn, go back to, and enjoy. We started with talking about in 1 John four nineteen. we love him because he first loved us. We started talking about God loves me. God loves you. If you grew up in church and you were up in kids' church, you probably heard the song, Jesus loves me. This I know. How? How do I know? For the Bible tells me so. And we've sang that song all throughout our Christian life. And some of us have turned into adults, and we still don't understand, we still don't know, and we still question if the God of the universe loves me individually. And we grew up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. But now I'm 40, now I'm 50, now I'm 60, and I'm still questioning, God, do you really love me? That's why we're going back to the basics. We talked about God loves me. And now we know that God loves me. The second week we talked about I love God, 1 John 4, 19. We love because God loved us. And then last week we talked about the church, the importance of being in church. And we talked about different scriptures of seeing God putting his hands on the church. And if God's doing something in the church... And I'm in that church, and that means God's doing it to me. God's adding to the church. God's loving the church. God's building the church. He's doing all those things. He's doing them to me. And today, we're going to combine two kind of central topics, central themes that we see in our Christian walk. And we're going to kind of mess them two together. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about how they go hand in hand. Jesus is talking in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you might have them. One day, I'll think about it, Jesus said, if you're good enough, if I love you enough. No, he says, whatever you ask when you pray and you believe that you receive them, you will have them. I don't know about you, but that... Makes me want to start praying a little bit different. That makes me want to ask just a little bit higher of questions, of requests. But the caveat with prayer to receive what you're praying for is that little word called belief. And that little word called belief is something that we call in Christianity faith. The definition is described of faith in Hebrews 11.1, that faith is The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen in the natural with my natural eye. And that word hope does not mean the way that we hope for things. Well, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope LSU wins. They aren't. Surprise, surprise. I hope the Saints win today. They probably aren't. Surprise, surprise. But here in America, our hope is the expectation of something bad happening. That's what hope is. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope I don't get in a car crash. I hope the economy doesn't fail. But that's not what hope means in the Bible. The hope means the expectation of something good. Faith is the substance of hope. Things that I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that Jesus comes back. I know he is. I'm expecting something good to happen. I'm hoping for God to heal me. I'm hoping for God to restore this. I'm hoping for God to restore that. I'm not hoping for something bad. Is he going to answer? Is he going to provide? Is he going to show up? No, no, no. I'm hoping for the expectation that although I don't see it, God is going to show up in a miraculous way. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let's first talk about prayer, then we'll talk about faith, and then we'll mesh the two together in talking about a Bible story. There's four scriptures I'm going to run through rather quickly. First Thessalonians five seventeen. If you have trouble memorizing scriptures, remember we talked about in John, the shortest verse, Jesus wept. That's only two. We're going to bump it up today. We're going to go to three, three words to remember. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. The next one I have is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Apostle Paul is writing again, and he says, praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Another scripture, Romans 12, 12. Paul writing again, rejoicing in hope. We're going to skip over this part because I'm not a fan of this one. I don't know if you are. Patient in tribulation. Gross, Paul. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. I like two of the three. Rejoicing in hope. Yay, God's going to do something. Oh, then I hate that one, don't you? Patient in tribulation. Hurry, run past it. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. The last scripture, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul writing again continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. All four of these scriptures were part of letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different Gentile churches. We have four different scriptures that are in four different letters that are written to four different churches over four different time periods. And throughout all of the writings that Paul has, we see a continual theme that he is writing to these different churches. And it says, pray, pray often, pray always, Make it a priority. In 1 Corinthians, Paul makes the statement. He is writing a letter to a group of churches, and he says, I thank God that I pray in the Spirit more than anyone. What type of statement is he making unless how often is he praying in the Spirit? Now, these weren't just letters that were written to one church. This was a letter that was written to one primary church, and then those letters were taken to surrounding churches, and they were read over and over and over again. It's read to the church of Ephesus, church of Thessalonica, church in Rome, church in Colossae, and then the surrounding churches as well. And Paul's continual theme is don't just pray when you feel like it. When you remember, say a quick prayer. When you lie down on your pillow, now I lay me down to sleep. Lord, help me with whatever rhymes with sleep. Pray without ceasing. Pray always. And what is prayer at the highest level? It's communicating with God. It's having a conversation with God. It's talking with God. Communing with God. It's what God intended in Genesis when he came down at the cool of the day to talk with Adam and Eve. How are you doing? What's going on? I could imagine those conversations. God talking to Adam. Did you see that tree that I created over there? Did you see the weird fruit that was coming out of it? Did you see those animals over there? Did you see that bird? You named it. You called it an eagle. What else did you see today? What else have you experienced today? Did you see that creature that I created for you, woman? He said, I definitely saw her. I like her, God. These conversations that they're having, he's giving them instruction. Be fruitful and multiply. Go out there and subdue the land. These conversations that they're having, he's giving them instruction. He's having these conversations. It's what God wants us to do. We understand, obviously, as Christians, that prayer is important. It's important. It's vital to our lives. That people out there in the world that are lost, they're looking for somebody to talk to. They're looking for somebody to help them. They're looking for somebody to give them an answer. That's why everybody's on social media. We can communicate with some of the most famous of people. We'd have to write a letter to somebody a long time ago. Now you can just send out 140 characters or less and your favorite superstar, your favorite pop star, your favorite sports star can answer and respond to you. If you're on social media for long, there's self-help people. Everybody's getting on there and they're saying, read my book, come to my class, do this, do that. And everybody is looking to talk to somebody, and to receive something to help them be a better person. And all this time, God is sitting on his throne, and he's saying, what about me? I have all the answers. I have all the solutions. I have all the help. It's the last person that we talk to. It's the last person that we reach out to. We wait till we're at the very end of our rope, and then we decide, oh, i haven't prayed. I haven't talked to God. I haven't involved God in the situation. We understand the importance of prayer, but we've made prayer way too religious. We put so many parameters. We put so many things on how you can pray, when you can pray, who you can pray to, how you do this, how you do that. We've written books about it, and we've made it confusing Sometimes, if we want to be honest with ourselves and we take a step back, we probably say to ourselves, I don't know how to pray. I haven't prayed in a long time. I haven't talked to God in a long time. I don't know what that looks like. I've heard my parents pray. I've heard my pastor pray. I've heard my spouse pray. But I, I don't know how to pray. And it's so important. It's so vital what if you didn't talk to your spouse for a week? Some of y'all might be happy about that, but you know. What if you didn't talk to them? You walked in, walked by, and then finally you had that conversation. It's that weird thing of when you and your spouse get in a disagreement, mainly because it's my fault, and you're walking around the house not talking to each other for like a day or you get in bed and you both have your backs to each other maybe it's just me maybe I need marriage counseling and neither one of us wants to break and say the first word because that first word is always so weird hey can you I'm sorry What? and it's the same thing in our prayer life We've been so far away from God. We've been so busy and all these things. When we finally come to God, usually it's at our worst moment, usually it's at the moment of need. We go to God and we I don't I'm sorry I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. Uh, I love you. Can you help me? But what if we prayed without ceasing? What if we had these conversations throughout with God of Him communing with us and us talking with Him? I don't know how to pray. I wrote down just a couple of things to help you kickstart. Your prayer life. If you don't know how to pray, number one, pray the word. Just pray scripture. I would say, majority of the time, if you ask me, to pray over you. I'm going to pray over you, but I'm also going, probably going to quote every scripture that I can think of at that moment that pertains to that situation, because it's the word that heals. It's the word that restores. It's the word that fixes. It's the word that resolves. It says in Psalms that Jesus sent his word and it healed us from, the, not my words, sent his word and it healed us from all destruction. So that's what I want to pray over you. There's sickness in your body, then by Jesus's stripes, you were healed. there's things going on in your finances, then I'm praying financial scriptures. If you don't know how to pray, then get in the Bible and find a couple of scriptures and just start praying the word over you. If you don't know how to pray, number two, pray in tongues. One, get filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues in the Holy Spirit, and then two, pray in tongues. Romans 8 says when you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to say, you can start praying and the Spirit will pray. We believe that tongues is a heavenly language given by God to man for man to talk back to God. That's pretty cool. I don't know how to pray. Well, God says, I'll give you some words that nobody else will understand that you can pray that only I'll understand. Other people don't understand. The devil himself doesn't understand. It's a direct line in communication from me to God. Well, praise God for that. When I don't know how to pray, pray in tongues. Now, this is going to be earth-shattering revelation, this number three point. If you don't know how to pray, pray the word, pray in tongues. Number three, just pray. Just start talking to God. There's a story found in Joshua chapter 10. Maybe you've heard it before. Joshua is fighting the Amorites, I believe, and they're in the middle of the battle, and they're winning, and they're pushing the enemy back. But the sun is setting. The day is ending. And he knows that if the day ends and it goes into the night, they're not going to be able to see the enemy. They're not going to be able to finish the enemy. They're not going to be able to destroy the enemy. The enemy will be able to regroup. They'll be able to escape. They'll be able to come back together. They might be able to uh, reattack them. And he's in the middle of fighting. Think how tired he is. Think how worn out. He's the leader of the Israelites. He's in the middle of battle. The sun is out. So he's probably dehydrated. They didn't have Powerade or Gatorade. They didn't have timeouts in fights back then. Hey, we're in the middle of a battle. Everybody take a timeout. Let's get something to drink. We'll meet back here in an hour, and we'll start chopping each other's heads off again. No, no, no. It was fight until the death, and he's in the middle of fighting. He's in the middle of leading. He's tired, and he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to say it, and what does he say? Son, stand still. He doesn't say, Amorites, stop fighting. Quit, quit. Everybody, shh, be quiet. Oh, heavenly father of the universe, I thank you for your provision and everything that you have. He doesn't start praying in King James. He doesn't have time to go to his prayer spot. He doesn't have time. He's in the middle of chaos. He's in the middle of war. He doesn't know what to say. And at the time, he's actually scientifically incorrect. Sun stand still. Well, the sun's already standing still, right? I don't know. I know science is kind of a crazy subject right now, but what I learned in high school was we rotated around the sun. The sun didn't rotate around us. So he actually told God something incorrect. He should have said Earth stand still. But God is a great translator. He didn't have time to think about it. He didn't have time to form the correct words. He didn't have time to check his heart. He just started praying, didn't even really pray, just made a command, son, stand still. And God says, I know what you need. Okay, yep, let's stop the universe so that you can keep fighting. Just pray. You might not pray all the right words. You might not say all the right things. God's not waiting for you to say the right things in prayer. He's just waiting on you to start praying. It's what he's waiting on. He's not calling, well, we need, do we have a South Carolina angel? Because I don't understand what they're saying. Bring, bring him over, bring him over. What? What is, I can't even understand them. Get the Louisiana, get the Cajun, come here, come here. What are they saying? Shoot them, Gator. I don't even. I don't even understand. I can't answer those prayers. That's ridiculous. Let's don't listen to them. No, no, no. God is the perfect translator. He knows your heart. He knows what you're trying to say. And you might be. I, I just. I got. I've, just pray. Just pray. Whenever uh, we were in Dallas, I don't know if Noah was born yet or not, and I was, still am. But a lot better, of walking through some, some health issues in my life. And I was having some issues, and we decided to go to a, an urgent care, um, one of those little dock-in-a-box places. And so we go to urgent care. We go to this dock-in-a-box place, and we are in there. And so I get there. I check in. They bring me into my room. The nurse comes in, and I talk to the nurse about what's going on. The nurse leaves I mean as soon as the nurse closed the door she opened the door back up and she says the doctor says we can't help you you need to go to the ER immediately. Now how encouraging is that? Amen. Boy, you want to hear that. And so we go to the emergency room, me and my wife. And my wife is checking me in and doing all the insurance stuff and so I call my pastor. I know it. <laughs> I called my pastor called pastor Eric and started talking with him. I said, "Man, I don't I don't know what's going on." He prays with me. And on the way from the urgent care to the ER, I call my brother. My brother, my older brother is a pharmacist, a doctor up in in New York City. And I start telling him my symptoms, I start telling him what's going on. And I found out from that moment, I'm never going to call him again because he's a doctor. So he starts giving me WebMD worst case scenarios. You know, I mean, it's, you know, Ebola. I mean, it's just like, it's just the worst of, and I'm like, I just have a headache. And he's like, no, nah, it's a ball. It could be, could be this or it could be, a, and I'm like, okay. And, uh, and so as we're driving, my mind is racing. And my wife's checking us in. Uh, I call Pastor Eric. I call my parents. And all of a sudden, I'd like to say that I was full of the Spirit at that moment, but a thought crept in to my mind that says, you're going to check into this, ho- this hotel, this hospital, and you're never going to come back out. Another thought came in that said, you're going to go in there, and they're going to find X, Y, and Z. This is the end. This is the beginning of the end. And I called my pastor, and I called my parents, and both of them prayed for me. My wife was still checking them in, and I walked to the kids' section of the ER. It's late at night. There's nobody there, and there's this little rug with kind of like a little track around it, and I started walking around that track, and those ideas started coming into my head, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what the diagnosis was. I didn't know what was going on. I had all of these thoughts. I had all of these fears. I had all these things coming upon me, and I didn't know what to pray. And I just started walking around that track saying, Jesus, you promised me healing. Jesus, I don't know what the next steps are, but I know that you're going to be with me every step of the way. All the fear, all the frustration, all the things just sitting heavy on top of me. And I walked around that ER, and I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. All I can do is pray the word. All I can do is say, God, help me. And the last point I have, if you don't know what to say, then just say his name, Jesus. Obviously, I'm still alive. I walked out of that hospital a couple hours after the fact. I wouldn't know... No crazy diagnosis of Ebola or WebMD of what they projected. God is good. If you don't know what to say, then say his name, Jesus. His name, Jesus, means Jehovah is salvation. And when you don't know what to say, but you need saving in that moment, Jesus resonates all throughout eternity and resonates throughout your situation. The importance of prayer. Proverbs 15, 29. Boy, we got a roll. Here we go. The Lord is far from the wicked. Amen for that. But look at this. He hears the prayer of who? The righteous. And we've talked about it time and time again. If it's a scripture that you'll hear me quote over and over and over again. Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that me who knew sin could become the righteousness of God. The great exchange happened on the cross. When I said yes to Jesus, he took on all my sin, all my failure, everything. And what he gave me in exchange was not guilt, was not shame, but he gave me his righteousness. So when you read the scriptures and you see that word righteous, he's talking about you. Because he hears my prayers because I am righteous. Righteous. Not in my own righteousness, not in my own works, but in the righteousness of Jesus. He's far away from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears your prayers. So many people pray thinking it's just hitting the roof and coming back down. Thinking that we dialed a wrong number and it got returned to sender. No, no, no. If you are righteous, if you are part of God's kingdom, it says that he hears your prayers. Revelations chapter 8 verse 4 you can also read Revelation 5, verse 8. And it says, and the smoke of the incense with what? The prayers of the saints. Where did it go? It ascended before God and his throne from the angels' hands. How beautiful a picture. Think of how funky. Let's be honest. Think of how weird your prayers are. Think of how out of order and and weird words and through tears and through frustrations and through all of these things you pray. And it says that when you pray, it turns into incense, a sweet-smelling aroma that is wafted before God's throne. That's how God sees it. Your prayers as sweet incense around his throne. Makes you want to pray a little bit more. Maybe put on a suit and tie when you pray next time. Father, Let this be a sweet smelling aroma to you. It doesn't say a type of prayer. It doesn't say when you're doing this. That's what religion wants you to do. Well, you can only pray this way. You can only pray that way. You can only pray during this time. You can only pray when this or that. It just says the prayers of the saints, your prayers, good, bad, or ugly, they go up before God as a sweet smelling aroma. So let's tie in prayer and faith because it appears in the Bible that God is not concerned about the whoever that is praying. In Romans 10, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what they're referencing, it's also talked about in Acts chapter 2, but it's referencing a prophetic scripture in Joel chapter 2. And it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, religion has tried to force the whoever, they've tried to take out the whoever and only put in their word or their term or their person for whatever the denomination is to fit in. Well, it's not really whoever that calls upon the name of the Lord. You've got to be in church for six months. You've got to do this. You've got to do the, the religion gets caught up in the whoever. But God isn't concerned about the whoever. We see that in the scriptures. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Can we put up uh, Mark eleven twenty four 24 again? Also, it appears that God is not concerned about the whatever. Therefore, I say to you, once again, he doesn't put a qualification on the you. So the whoever, therefore I say to whoever, whatever things you ask. Now religion jumps all over this too. Well, you can't be asking God for too much. Don't be getting crazy in your prayers. You want to pray God's will. Well, if it's in the Bible, it's God's will. So God wants you healed. God wants you prosperous. God wants you saved. God wants you to have healthy relationships. God wants you to prosper. That's God's will. So whatever things you ask when you pray. So God's not concerned about the whoever. He's not concerned about the whatever. But he is concerned about the however. However you pray. And however you pray believing that you receive them, praying in faith and not doubting in your heart. If you read in Mark 11, the, other, the previous scriptures, Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus simply says, have faith in God. In verse 23, he says that if you believe and there's a mountain in your way, then you can speak to that mountain with no doubt in your heart and you can cast that sucker into the sea. And a mountain is just whatever's between you and God's promises. If it's a literal mountain, then move that mountain out the way. If it's a figurative mountain, then move that thing out the way. But the thing is not doubting in your heart. God is not concerned about the whoever. God is not concerned about the whatever. But what he is concerned about is the however that you're praying. And it says in Mark eleven twenty four 24, that you must pray believing that you receive it. Yes. And if whoever asks for whatever from God and they believe in faith, then You will have them. Prayer and faith are so vitally intertwined. The ingredients of faith. The ingredients of faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 14. Hopefully you're getting something out of this. Paul is speaking and he says, And since we have the same spirit of faith. We all have the same spirit of faith. So many people think, well, the pastor, he's uber spiritual, so he gets all his prayers answered, so we're going to, he just always gets his prayer. Or, or the grandmother that we all love that's prayed forever for everybody, she always gets her prayers answered. No, no, no. It says, we all have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. Here is the ingredients of faith. I believe, and therefore I speak. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Verse 14 says, knowing... It goes back to knowing that he who raised up Jesus, look, will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us. If you raise Jesus up, he'll raise me up. He'll help me. So faith works when you add believing and you add speaking. I'm glad and I'm proud if just internally you believe God. Mm, I believe God. Mm, look at me, believe in God. But that's only one of the two ingredients of faith. The second one is speaking. I believe God. And number two, I'm going to start talking like I believe God. Hmm. There's the caveat. There may or may not be the reason why your prayers aren't getting answered. Because you believe God, I know He'll show up, I know, but you forget the second ingredient you got to start talking like you believe God. And you've got to start declaring things that I believe about God. Because so many people declare the things that they believe about their situation. And they forget to start declaring the things that God promised them. Well, it always happens to me. My last name is this and it's happened to all the other people with the last name of this. It's just what happens in this town. It's just what happens in this community. No, no, no. I believe God and I'm going to start talking like God's already moving in the midst. I'm going to start declaring his truth, the ingredients of faith. I'm praying, I'm a whoever, I'm asking whatever, now I'm going to work on the however. And how do I work on the however? Is I got to start believing that this book is real. I've got to start believing that what God said in here is for me. And then I've got to start declaring that. In Romans 10, 17, we know this scripture So then, faith comes by hoping and wishing, and no, faith comes by hearing. And then he gives us the answer What am I supposed to be hearing? Well, hearing the word of God. Oh, okay, that's easy. Well, how better can you hear the word of God if it comes out your own mouth? I am not a take home pastor got a lot going on in my life. I can't come to each and every one of your houses and slap you on the hand when you're not in faith. Don't say that and just follow you around the house. Well, I just know that it's going to happen. The bad things always, nope, don't say that. What does God say? But we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who will lead us and guide us into all truth. Who does that little hand slapping? You've been slapped on your hand by the Holy Spirit, (laughs) When you say something that you shouldn't, when you do something, what does God say? It's that loving little hand slap. Look at Hebrews 11, verses 3 and verse 6. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were not made of things which are visible... So if God framed the world by using his voice and using his mouth and using his words, then how can I frame my house? How can I frame my life? Well, I'm going to use the same words that he used. If you don't like the way that your life is being built, then start speaking the words of God and reframe and rebuild your life. Tear down those rotten boards. Tear down those things that have been built up, those walls that you have built up, and start framing a new life going forward with the word of God. In verse 6 of Hebrews 11, we know this one, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the last thing I have, give me five more minutes and I'm shutting up. There's a story And it's talked about two different parts of the Bible. In Luke chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 8, we don't have it up there. I'm gonna give you the Cajun version of it. I'm gonna read through it, and then you can go to Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. And they're two stories. They look like they're kind of different, but they're intertwined with each other. There's a centurion soldier, he's not a Jew. Remember, Jesus says over and over again that he's not but sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He only heals, he only saves, he only restores Jews at that time. He doesn't interact with the Gentiles. And this centurion soldier, two different stories say that he came to meet Jesus. He sent some Jews to come and talk to Jesus, but his servant was sick. And in Luke, it says that the Jews asked Jesus to come to his house and heal his servant. And as they are walking, as they are talking, as they are going to the house, there's a moment where the centurion and Jesus meet up. And the centurion stops Jesus and he says, listen, I am a man under authority. I understand if you tell someone to go, they go. If you tell someone to come, they come. And I don't need you to come to my house. So if you could just say the word that my servant is healed, then your word is good enough. And it will heal my servant. And it says in the scriptures that Jesus marveled. He said, I have not seen any type of faith like this in all of Israel. Now, he's been traveling. He's been doing ministry. He's probably been looking for people to have faith. He says, I haven't seen faith like anyone. Go. Your servant is healed. And at that moment, his servant was healed. I want to pull out just some ideas from that story real quick and I'll finish with this as we combine prayer and faith. The importance of praying, but not just praying, praying in faith and believing is where we see the answer that we're looking for. Number one, from the servant's perspective, you've got to find some people that'll pray for you. You've got to find a group of people that will go to Jesus on your behalf. This servant didn't know anything about Jesus. This servant was sick. This servant was dying. This servant might not have been conscious, but he had a friend. I say that loosely since he was a slave, but they were in somewhat combined, and he loved that servant. That he said, I heard about Jesus and I know that my friend is going through a rough time and I'm going to go to Jesus for him and I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to believe for him. Find some friends that even when you're at your worst moment won't say, well, there must be sin in your life, must be sin in the camp, hopefully you get through it, take care, figure it out. It just happens. Bad things happen to people. No, no, no. Find some friends that say, no, no, I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to pray and see him move on your behalf. Even if you can't do it, I'm going to stand in the gap for you and watch. I need some of those people in my life to pray for me. The centurion heard about Jesus and he had a thought. He had a desire. He had a request knowing that Jesus would answer his prayer. He had an issue that was going on, and he heard about Jesus. We've got to put ourselves in position to hear more about Jesus. How do I know that he's the answer if I don't find out that he's the answer? To tell people that he is our salvation, he is our key. He went to Jesus, he talked with Jesus, and he walks with Jesus as they're going back. He tells them, hey, can we... Can you come to my house? And Jesus said, yeah, 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 I'll come to your house. And they start walking. But as they are walking, as they are talking, as the centurion is spending more time with Jesus, as he is praying with Jesus, he has a revelation that changes his prayer request. Oh, I don't need you to come to my house. I just need you to say a word. That the more you walk and talk with Jesus, you're going to see your prayers change. You're going to see your requests change. You're going to see the conversations that you have with God change. He went to Jesus with this one prayer. I need you to come to my house, lay your hands on my servant, and that will be healed. But he walked with Jesus for a little bit. And the moment in the talking that he had with Jesus, he had this revelation. He had this buildup of faith. The more he heard the word, the more his faith increased. And he says, I don't need you to come to my house anymore. You can just say the word, and you can be healed. But there was no evidence of that prior the centurion didn't have a bible he didn't he didn't know that jesus could just speak a word all the other evidence was jesus going somewhere laying hands on people so how else could this centurion who's not a jew have the revelation i don't need you to touch somebody i just need you to say the word is because he was with jesus The more he was with Jesus, the more his faith rose. And the new revelation that he had was, I don't need you to come touch him. I just need you to speak it. And because of that, Jesus marvels at his request. There's only two things that Jesus marveled at, faith and unbelief. (laughs) You want to make God scratch his head or get giddy in excitement? Then believe for the impossible. You want to make him scratch his head and be like, well, I wanted to answer that, then doubt him. Jesus marveled at people's unbelief, but Jesus marveled at people's faith. And at the very beginning, Jesus could have answered that prayer. Jesus, when the centurion came to him and said, hey, can you come with me to the house to heal my servant? Jesus could have stopped him and said, oh, I can just speak the word and he'll be healed. Because that's what he did, right? That's the healing that happened. He spoke the word and the servant was healed. So he could have done that at the very beginning. It could have been a a one scripture story. Centurion comes to Jesus, says, will you heal my servant? Jesus says, he is healed. I spoke the word, story over. But that's not what happened. He could have done it, but he didn't do it. So why? Because he met him where his faith was at. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. The centurion's servant The centurion's faith was, if you come to my house and touch my centurion, then he'll be healed. And Jesus says, I can agree with that faith, let's go. But then his faith changed, and he says, if you'll just speak the word, then he'll be healed. And he says, oh boy, we got some real good faith here, marveled at that. And met him at that faith level. Remember the scripture says we're going from faith to faith. We're going from glory to glory. We see one side of faith. But because of the journey he went on with Jesus. He took a step up in his faith. And he says just do this. And Jesus says oh boy. Whoever just asked for whatever. And he did it with the correct however. And he received his answered prayer. Get with Jesus in prayer. And spend time with him. Go back to the basics of prayer. Let the religion go and just go back to talking to God. Go back to the basics of believing your God. Go back to the basics of talking with God. And if I'm being honest, quit making it so complicated and religious. And the last part I have, whoever can ask whatever in Jesus name, but you only receive based on however you ask prayer and faith. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about worship, which I hope to have my wife up here with me. And we're probably going to talk about giving as well and maybe one or two more topics. But let's stand up as we get ready to go this week, be a whoever, ask a whatever crazy prayer to God in the correct, however, faith and believing, speaking and declaring, and watch him answer. I look forward to hearing your testimonies of you whoever's asking whatever and receiving your wow ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes exactly what it's supposed to do. Father, there are people here, each and every one of us, we have a whatever prayer. And Father, we're asking that you meet that need. Help us today. We believe in your word. We believe in your truth. We believe in what you're saying, and we're not doubting. We might doubt the world. We might doubt the government. We might doubt the news. We might doubt our family and friends, but I'm not doubting your word. I'm standing and believing and trusting in your word, knowing that you're going to be faithful to it. Father, I thank you for these people today that they go out and pray some crazy prayers, asking and believing that you're going to meet them. Have faith in God. In all the chaos of this world, have faith in God. Father, I pray scripture over them right now that they are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and man and everything they put their hands to prospers. I pray healing over them right now that by Jesus' stripes, their body is already healed. I pray over their mind right now that they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you that they are being renewed daily by your word. They're not being transformed. They're not being uh, attacked by this world because greater are you that's in them Than anything that can come against them in the world. God is greater in them than anything that can come against them. And Father, I thank you that they are blessed. I thank you that they are prosperous. I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. They're a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. So God, use us this week to lay hands on the sick, to make disciples, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to see your kingdom come in this town and in this region. Father, bless them and protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do. Bring them back safely next week and help us win the Scarecrow Contest. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Go pray some crazy prayers. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.